This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I've Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are once again thrilled and delighted to be joined by the wondrous and the very curious Eves. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Eves. Hi, thank you for that yes. introduction. Curious is a good adjective. I'm very happy with that. I like to, I like that. Yeah, and it shines through in all of these <laughs> topics you bring, but also we just had a, a delightful conversation about <laughs> continents and oceans and our confusion around them. Uh, so <laughs> I have to say, I, I as we're moving into the holidays, it's a lot of stress. We were talking about all of our stress that we're experiencing at work and otherwise, and talking to you all calmed me down, and you're... Aww. Your thoughts about continents has given me something else to focus on, so I appreciate it. That's so nice of you. Yeah, like thinking about the trivial things in life helps distract us, I think, from the existential questions. Yes. I think it's a stress, an anxiety tactic as well as like sleep tactic to think on things that, that mm-hmm. makes you kind of just further into the uh, rabbit hole of questions. Mm-hmm. So us talking about why does this happened and then going down but then what did this, how did this come about becomes a whole question but it distracts you well enough that it yeah. calms you down or yeah. make you angry it made uh-huh. me angry though I will say that <laughs> the oceans conversation I was like why so we had different yeah. stress we responses we had a little bit different <laughs> <laughs> well I feel responses. better so that's, that's I love it I'm glad this, it, made, it woke me up I was like hmm here we okay. go yeah okay yeah. there's an outlet for expression happening either way which is probably Probably a good thing, right? <laughs> Probably. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, Eves, uh, this is our our last recording of 2022 with you. Ooh. Do you have any any plans? Anything you're excited about? You have such a good. Mm-hmm. I remember last time we talked about New Year's. You had such a good like perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Anything you're doing to to deal with the stress or have fun? I don't know if I have anything profound to say if I ever do, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I think I am really feeling a strong transition in the end of 2022 this year, as I'm sure so many other people are. But it's one of those things where, I don't know, I think it's a good time of the year to reflect and to consider what's coming up and also to just be present at the time. So I honor all of the traditions and all of the the habits that people have around this time of year. But I never have anything that I do solidly every single year, nothing that I stick to. So this year, I really, really, really just want to be by myself Um, (laughs) in New Year's and at the end of the year. I'm really feeling a strong calling towards solitude this year, Uh, December. And like just the past month for me has been so full of travel and making new connections repairing, I don't even know if repairing is the right word, but um, dealing with old (laughs) connections, um, new problems, lots of family changes, (laughs) and all of that. So I think I'm just really thinking about integrating everything and settling into some solitude and introspection at the end of this year. So maybe that's different than a lot of people because I know this is (laughs) A huge time for celebration and like turning things up, but the volume knob is getting turned down for me. (laughs) I love that. I like it. Yeah, I like that. Yes, yes. That's about where I am too. So, well, hopefully it'll be a good good New Year's for all of us. And in, in the new year, we'll look forward to continuing many of these female first. Yes. Uh, Because they're always... Always so fascinating. Um, And we're we're curious. Samantha and I are curious right along with you, so these are great. Mm -hmm. So who did you bring for us to discuss today, Eves? So today we're going to be talking about Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler. So she might be a person that a lot of people are familiar with because she has gotten a lot of shine and attention in her first. She was the first Black woman in the U.S. to earn a medical degree. And her book, Book of Medical Discourses, is one of the first publications by a Black American author, uh, one of the first medical texts that were published specifically. But she had a great life. Her story was super interesting. The reasons why she got into her work and why she sustained her work in the medical field um, were super interesting and at a time when things were really difficult for people who were trying to do, Black people and Black women specifically, who were doing what she was doing. So... Really excited to get into her story. I know a lot of the time we talk about people who might be a little bit less recognized in the mainstream discourses, but I think it's important to, well, you also never know who anybody might have heard of before, but it's just important to talk about so many different people who were pioneers in their fields, no matter how much recognition they might have already gotten. Yes, yes, absolutely agree. And I think I'd I'd heard the name before, but I didn't know like anything about the story. So I'm very, very glad to have learned about it and that you're going to share it with all of us today. 
Me too. So she was born Rebecca Davis on February 8th, 1831 in Delaware. At the time, Delaware was a slave state, but she was born free. Her parents were Absalom Davis and Matilda Weber. And it was her aunt in Pennsylvania who raised her. Her aunt would also hurt. She would care for people, other people besides Rebecca. And Rebecca later said in her book, quote, I early conceived a liking for and sought every opportunity to be in a position to relieve the sufferings of others. That sentiment was what seemingly attributed to Rebecca's interest in the field. So she attended school in Massachusetts. So in 1852, she married a man named Wyatt Lee in Charlestown, Massachusetts. She worked there as a nurse for several years, and she didn't train to be a nurse at any formal nursing school because that wasn't really a thing in the U.S. at the time. But she says in her book that from 1852 to 1860, she worked as a nurse under different doctors in Massachusetts. Those doctors recommended her to the folks at New England Female Medical College, So in 1860, she became the first and only Black American woman who was accepted to the New England Female Medical College in Boston. So for background, of course, by this time, some white American women had already gotten medical degrees. So we talk about this, and we've talked about this before on the show, the context of first, how people had access to be able to do what they were able to do to be pioneers in their fields. But before 1865, there were a small amount of medical schools that did admit Black students. Some of them were in the eastern United States, some were in the Midwest. But in the South and largely in the North, Black students were barred from medical schools. And the first Black American physicians got their degrees abroad. It was a man named Samuel Gregory who founded the New England Female Medical College in 1848, And it was the first institution in the U.S. to train women in medicine. So she got a scholarship to attend the school, but her husband did get sick, her husband Wyatt, so she had to take a leave from school to care for him. But he did end up dying of tuberculosis in April of 1863. And she did ask to re-enroll after that, although the administrators there did give her some trouble because of the amount of time that she had spent on her work but she did end up graduating from the school and became a doctress of medicine, doctor of medicine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but what they said was doctress. And it just sounds, I guess it, it sounds so serious and it sounds a little bit more cool to say doctress, even though it is gendered. Yeah. Maybe because it's sounding a little bit like dominatrix to me, <laughs> the, the suffix <laughs> on the end there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on March 1st, 1864, that's when she graduated from the school. So she was 33 years old when she got her degree. And in 1873, the New England Female Medical College merged with Boston University. The school closed due to some troubles it was having, but that made Dr. Rebecca, who was Rebecca Lee at the time because of her marriage, Dr. Rebecca Lee, the first and only Black woman to get a medical degree from the school. So soon after getting her degree, she began practicing medicine in Boston, and in 1865, she married Arthur Crumpler in Boston. So Arthur was previously enslaved, but had escaped slavery. He served in the Union Army during the Civil War, and he later worked as a porter. So pause on this. First of all, Arthur Crumpler's story sounds so interesting, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would love to know more about his story. Um, I'm not sure I don't know it. 
I'm not sure how much more information is available about it, but I will definitely be seeing yes. <laughs> seeing what else is out there about him because it's so interesting when you read where we often talk about these people, but the other people who are in their lives, their families, their spouses, their children, and all that have their own stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that may be in some way related to the person we're talking about story or maybe something completely different, but they may have been inspired by the person we're talking about, like legacy and history, mm-hmm. which are, I feel like are also provide lots of other fascinating avenues to go down when we're learning about these people and mm-hmm. the things that they did. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's an aside. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Dr. Rebecca, she ended up being drawn to Richmond, Virginia when the Civil War ended. So the 13th Amendment to the Constitution was ratified in 1865, which abolished slavery in the U.S. on paper, although it did continue in practice in places, of course. But the Freedmen's Bureau, a government agency that was established during Reconstruction in the South, that was the post-war era, um, that aimed to help formerly enslaved people who were emancipated in the aftermath of the war. So Dr. Crumpler served as a physician with the Bureau in Richmond, and she worked with other charitable groups there as well to help people who were impoverished, who were displaced and dispossessed. And she called it, in her work, she called it the, quote, proper field for real missionary work. Of course, she faced challenges there. Hospitals, it was said, wouldn't take her patients. And pharmacists wouldn't fill her prescriptions. 
But it was clear that that was the work that Dr. Crumpler wanted to do. Um, she was really interested in helping women and specifically children in her work, as you'll find if you read her book. But she was really involved in the work there. She did with her husband ended up going back to Boston in the late 1860s and continued to practice medicine. So they moved to Beacon Hill, which was a mostly Black neighborhood at the time, and their house was on Joy Street. Dr. Crumpler even saw patients in her house for treatment. But in 1880, later on, they moved to Hyatt Park, which was another neighborhood in Boston, and she stopped practicing medicine. There were census records that year that listed her occupation as, quote, keeping house. Um, they the, the couple did have a daughter whose name was Lizzie Sinclair Crumpler, but she stopped showing up on census records and it's thought that she died young. So in 1883, she published the book that I mentioned earlier, A Book of Medical Discourses in Two Parts. That book is available to read online because it's in the public domain. And like I said, it's also considered one of the first published medical texts written by a Black American author. And it is full of quotes that I love. <laughs> um, but I think gives really good insight into how Dr. Crumpler thought the things that motivated her work in the medical field, the reasons why she did them, some of her personal proclivities, like her commitment to Christianity was very clear in the work that she did. And the interest that she had in marriage, which she really believed was a divine institution. Um, the first part of the book is about the cause, prevention, and the cure of illnesses that children have from infancy to five years old. And the second part is about the same in women and youth, as well as, quote, miscellaneous information concerning the life and growth of beings and, quote, the beginning of womanhood. Um, I'm not quite sure of the backstory of the publication on this book, <laughs> but it is really kind of a catch-all, a comprehensive text. Um, I do really, I'm curious about <laughs> what the pitch was for this <laughs> book, Be but um, it's dedicated, um, which I think is really interesting. She dedicates the book to, quote, mothers, nurses, and all who may desire to mitigate the afflictions of the human race. So she had this really grand outlook on the work that she did, but not in a way that was delusional, of course. It's in a way where it's like, you're truly doing the work of saving lives, saving people, and hopefully preventing the illnesses that come to people um, that may shorten their lives or make their lives um, less well or, you know, may cause them to die. So she she was serious about her work, which was clear in the work that she did and also very passionate about it. She stated in the book that she wanted it to be simple. She wanted it to be comprehensive and to not have a lot of technical jargon in it, therefore making the book accessible to a lot of people who didn't necessarily have a ton of knowledge in medical information, but had an interest in it and an enthusiasm for it, which obviously medical information is something that is beneficial for all of us to know because it is related to our bodies it is related to keeping our bodies well and keeping us alive because obviously survival is one of our points of being here. You know, the way that she clearly wanted to spread this information far and wide and had these kind of higher honorable aims for the work that she was doing is really fascinating to me and that she was so upfront about it. But the topics in the book included breastfeeding, 
teething, how young women should marry, treatments for various things like rheumatism and hemorrhoids and all of that. And of course, as so many of these things that we're reading from the 19th century, some of the information is going to be outdated. Some of it's not going to align with some of the principles that we have. Depending on where we live in the world, obviously our principles are different. Um, But depending on your culture and the nation you live in and some of the values that you hold um, may not stand up medically. Things have progressed since then, of course. And then there may be things that you just disagree with or things that may surprise you (laughs) that you might agree with based on your own personal values. Maybe you agree with some of the things she says about who you should marry, (laughs) which I'm going to get to in a second. (laughs) So um, she talks at the end of the first part about Black people who do so much work and take care of so many other people and things without regard to their own health. In a way, she encourages self-care and tending to our wellness basically for longevity. So I thought that was just really prescient because it's something that we're talking about in current conversations so frequently, so frequently that in fact it has gotten (laughs) stale in so many ways. It has become a buzzword that people might tune out. But it is relevant to what we're talking about. And I love when moments like that happen because it's like almost like you can just take a chunk of what she said and just place it in today. And you'll be like, oh, that was totally written in 2022. But no, it wasn't. It was 1883. Because she's talking about the ills that productivity and caring about external over internal can have on a person's health, how this grind and the hustle, and I think at one point she says for Black men caring about horses more than they, caring for the horses better than they care for themselves. Um, So even though that thing may not be horses, you know, other things in other ways we say we are so focused on and dedicated to this work culture that doesn't sustain us in ways that attuning to our health would specifically. Um, So some of the quotes that were in the book, she says, as related to how women should marry. And of course, she's thinking about this in a heterosexual way. She's talking about women who want to marry men. She says, quote, it is best for a young woman to accept a suitor who is respectable, vigorous, industrious, and but a few years her senior, if not of an equal age. End quote. So now can you imagine limiting the field of suitors <laughs> to those specific positions and the difficulties that people, I'm not in the dating world, but the difficulties that I hear about people having out of the field that is larger than that today, they're talking about, I need more options. <laughs> According to Dr. Crumpler, less options, okay? Less options, limited field, because this is what's best for you. Right. But, um, you know, so that's what she says. So take it as you take it, take it as you may. What is vigorous supposed to be? <laughs> vigorous. I, I feel so, like that's a, a lot of like times like virile food? type of that I level. Think so. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's just, what I'm thinking. Just wondering. Yeah. But I guess it could also relate to other physical prowess too. So like <laughs> your metabolism is high. <laughs> How high is your metabolism? I have strict standards here. It must be vigorous, sir. <laughs> they didn't have credit scores back then, so she had to throw some stuff That was it. This okay. medical treatise tells me I like, need a vigorous I, man. Everything I was on board with until like, okay, I got to figure out what vigorous meant, though. I need, I need to know where, where mm. we go, how we go mm-hmm. about that. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going. 
<laughs> I want to. I want. I need more of her standards here. We need. Yeah. We need a part two to this book, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she also talks about how thousands of children died deaths that could have been prevented. So she says, "quote People do not wish to feel that death ensues through neglect on their part. Indeed, they speak of consumption, cholera, and phantom diphtheria, etc., as if sent by God to destroy our infants." They seem to forget that there is a cause for every ailment and that it may be in their power to remove it. My chief desire in presenting this book is to impress upon somebody's mind the possibilities of prevention. End quote. So she's saying that you have the power and the tools to gather some of this information, to learn through practice. And there are other people like me, like Rebecca, Dr. Crumpler, who can give you some of these information the solutions and the treatments to some of the things that you're dealing with so that we do not have to deal as much with infant mortality. Um, And obviously there are limits to that and what we can learn ourselves. And that's why we have the support and information available to us in books. But I did uh, really appreciate that she said that some of these things are not out of your hands. They are not all divinely inspired per se, even though she was a practicing Christian woman. um, And that we can take some of these matters into our own hands and find solutions for them. So for the last quote I will share from the book, she says, women doctors, or more properly speaking, doctresses of medicine, (laughs) although usually treated with less courtesy by doctors, are nevertheless by them considered to be in their proper sphere in the confinement room and nursery. So So she does talk about some of the social difficulties that she had in being a woman doctor, although she doesn't really talk about too much of that of her own experience that she had working in the field. We would need an autobiography for a little bit more of that information, and we don't have a lot of that. But she talks about it, and of course, uh, it was a time when women were expected to be in certain realms. It was men who were thought of as people who could be practice doctors and that she was up against some of those things when she was working. So later in her life, she and her husband were active members of the 12th Baptist Church in Boston, but she died of fibroid tumors when she was 64 years old in 1895. Arthur Crumpler, her husband, died later in 1910. She and her husband were buried in anonymous graves in Fairview Cemetery in Hyde Park, but later on, much later on, there was a fundraiser for headstones for Dr. Crumpler and her husband, which was an effort that was spearheaded by Vicki Gall, who was president of the Friends of the Hyde Park Library. And so they ended up getting those gravestones put up for the two of them in 2020, which is a long time after she was buried. <laughs> yeah. the, both of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Over a century. So her home in Beacon Hill is featured on the Boston Women's Heritage Trail but there isn't any photo or description of her, drawing of her, or anything like that, that we know of. That is her for sure. But in 1894, there was a piece in the Boston Daily Globe that said that she was, quote, a very pleasant and intellectual woman. And that she was, quote, tall and straight with light brown skin and gray hair. So, unfortunately, we don't have any pictures of her to put with the words that she wrote in her book. But we can draw a sort of characterization of her through the words that she wrote in her book. That's the story of Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler.
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I mean, I was just struck so many times by what you said earlier, Eves. There so many instances where if you kind of rephrase it, we're still having these conversations today about self-care, about like putting productivity of work, the external first and burnout. And even when it comes to women and women of color in <laughs> medicine, we talk about burnout in that field specifically um, and how bad it is. And I can only imagine being the only black woman that it was just like amped way up, but having this this passion, as you say, and like clearly just really caring and wanting to make this information more accessible. Um, it's another great example of having a woman mentor of her aunt. Um, I don't know. There's just so many through lines of things we have talked about before that we are still talking about in this story. And speaking of her aunt, I feel like when she was talking about for the women out there who are doing these things anyway, here's some help for you. It feels mm -hmm. like it was almost mm -hmm. like an ode to her because oh. we know that that's what she was doing. Her aunt was mm -hmm. out there trying to care for people and kind of the doctor of that area for, for that community. So she's like, here, here, I want to do this just in case there's more people like my aunt. 
you have this information right here for you. And yes, this is curable, not just, oh, no, sorry, God doesn't want them to live. Like, right. there are things that we can do. And he, I, who just went through all of the pains, uh, staking, studying, dealing with people who said I couldn't do it or I shouldn't do it, I've done this. And here's the information mm-hmm. for you so you don't have to go through what I just did or what my aunt had yeah. to go through. And it feels like kind of like a love letter and ode to her aunt a little bit. Yeah, I, I really like that way of thinking about it. Yeah. And that just made me think, of too, of some of the treatments that are in the book, I really want to try. <laughs> Wait, what? I like, these, I wonder <laughs> if they work. Ooh. <laughs> I want to read it. I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah, they had one for sore throat. Um, I can't remember what it was. You put a warm cloth with something on it over your throat when you go to sleep or something like that. And they had other various ailments in there, one of which was soft bones and rheumatism. And I think they had some for period cramps. She had some for period cramps in there. Right. She had several things in there that I was like, oh, hmm, this is very... It's very useful. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was a text that wasn't just meant to proselytize over her ideas, but something that you could actually use, like put in your kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, next to your cookbooks or, you know, and wherever else you keep books <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that you could actually use in your household. Keep it handy. Um, on a daily basis and just refer to. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, doctors weren't accessible and it could be days before you could get to one. I would think, right. and like traveling to get to a doctor. Shoot, it takes days for us to get an appointment now. So if not months, yeah. um, so maybe I need that book. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's interesting because I wondered if the miscellaneous portion was like, is that periods? Are they talking <laughs> about period? Is she trying not to say this is what happens when you go through puberty? Let me help you out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they said it in so many words because you know they were real wordy back then. Yeah. Yes, so yes, I think yes. she did use the word period in it, but there were definitely uh, there was other terminology in there <laughs> right. for it. Uh huh. And also, while we're on the topic, I just wanted to also mention that, you know, just because she did, of course, her achievements are completely notable and she is a, a pioneer in her field, but there were other women, the women who weren't necessarily able to attend nursing schools right. because these institutions that were created by white men, or even when they were black institutions, you know, doesn't necessarily validate or invalidate the work that other women were doing as nurses already before who had all of this knowledge before in that field. So I just want to call that out. For sure. Before we end the episode. Yeah. 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 And I mean, going back to Samantha's point, that's why the dedication is so beautiful because it's like recognizing all of the pretty much unnoticed or unrewarded, unseen, invisible work that these women were already doing um, Mm -hmm. to take care of their communities and, and people in them. So... Yeah, I love it. I do want to read it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to skim to it. I think it'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know if you try any of those. <laughs> Put in your medicine cabinet to have it next to all of your uh, <laughs> pills just in cases. <laughs> wouldn't that be hilarious, though, if you had somebody over and they're like, why do you have an 1800s book of medicine in your medicine cabinet? <laughs> so, well, still works. Some of it. Right. It's fine. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then they see like there's a chapter on finding the right the right husband. Like, oh. <laughs> Just to help you out here. Just yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Um, Calm down. <laughs> so oh my gosh, thank you as always for being here, Eves. Uh always a pleasure to have you. 
looking forward to to working more and continuing our our the series and our friendship in 2023. Yes. <laughs> Yes, call it into existence. Whew, yeah, we will, <laughs> we will. And I I hope you have a lovely, introspective, and solitude-full, <laughs> it's not a word, but you know, New Year's. <laughs> yes. Thank you, you too. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, where can the listeners find you? You can find me on Instagram at notapologizing, on Twitter at evesjeffcoat. And you can just look me up on my website, evesjeffcoat.com. That's Y-V-E-S-J-E-F-F-C-O-A-T.com. And you can find everything from there. You can also hear me on many, many other episodes here on Sminty, doing other female first in history. Yes, yes. So check all of that out if you haven't already, listeners. And yeah, we will see you in the new year. Maybe we'll actually like hang out in person. Ah! <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Uh, but in the meantime, listeners, if you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stephaniemomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I'll never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'll Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find, for the fun of it, kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.